Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Hello, this is John Charlton with USA Mortgage. I got all day, you got 60 seconds, so this is your Mortgage Market Minute 2019. It's here. We could talk about China, we could talk about government shutdowns, we could talk about Trump, but we ain't got time for that. So let's talk about two things that you need to know about the mortgage market in 2019. Number one, interest rates today, probably right around 5%. What's going to happen this year? Most forecasters are saying we should see about a 0.5% increase in interest rates over the course of 2019. So what does that mean? Same house, same price. Buy it in now versus buy it at the end of the year. It's going to cost you more on a monthly basis at the end of the year. If only it was going to be the same price. Because here's point two. Prices are going to rise. Prices are going to rise starting probably in the spring with the spring market. Everybody's outside. They love it. They just want to get out and buy a house, right? And that's going to affect how much that house costs at the end of the year, which means double down. Prices up. Interest rates up. House costs are going to be much higher by the end of the year. If you need to contact me, I got answers to your questions. John Charlton, 314-517-0262. So that's your Mortgage Market Minute. Peace. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, live from the offices of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maple, Missouri. I'm your host, Adam Cruz, and this is my co-host... Shannon St. Pierre. Shannon St. Pierre. We're excited to be here today. And today we are going to talk all about the 2019 market update. Shannon, you've been looking in your crystal ball, right? Somewhat. Somewhat. And we're going to or try to... reading. Reading. Uh, economic reports. Oh boy. I hope you have the good statistics for us then today. <laughs> Not necessarily. Well, then you bring the statistics. I'll bring my crystal ball and we'll make a great podcast out of it. What do you think? Let's do it. Are we, we're going to talk about that the market's hot, right? Right. But are we going to say anything about what John Charlton's saying, which is that interest rates are going up and he thinks prices are going up? What's that going to mean? So that is true. Um, so in 2018, we had four rate increases. So mortgage rates went from close, low, you know, close to four, um, a little over four, almost to 5%. So then for 2019, um, the, they anticipate another couple mortgage rate increases. So that will, um, they think by the end of the year, approach five and a half. It's so interesting percent. to talk to people about interest rates, right? Because right. there's always the person who brings up, yeah, but in 1980, the interest rates were 18%, 18% right? <laughs> yeah. And then there's the people right. like me who are like, but I remember when I got a loan for six and a half percent, you know? Right. My first house was six, six and a half. So even though rates are going up, that the, to us, that's about normal. In the big picture, they're still very low. They're still very low. But then there's going to be people, we presume, that are saying, oh my gosh, they're up. That means the market's worse. That means I don't want to buy or I can't afford to buy. Or Well, so then that's true because they, you do have the increasing mortgage rates coupled with the fact that housing prices are still expected to rise, not a lot, but still increase this year in 2019. So you okay. put those two together, what you end up having is less competition though, because um, first-time home buyers will be kind of squeezed out of the market as the the affordability that was there in the past is starting to be 
squeezed a little bit more. So do we consider ourselves in a buyer's market now or a seller's market? Um, I think it's, you're gonna have, I think, yeah, I think somewhere in the middle, I wasn't able to really get a great picture and it seems like we're just in a transition where the inventory will catch up this year. And that's pretty much what a lot of the reports say as well, is that in years past, the inventory has been very low. Now moving forward in 2019, some of that inventory or low inventory is going to catch up and there will be more on the market. Okay. So some people who follow us or who follow other realtors, they've gotten tired probably over the last year of hearing realtors talk about inventory is low. Call me if you want to sell your home, right? And we were talking about months of inventory in the past and stuff like that. Which was extraordinarily low at the beginning of last year. Right. And now we think that's going to go up. So here's what I saw. I saw, and this is what I think will continue to happen. I saw homes that were updated. They're nice. You know, a, a young family or whoever can walk in there and go, this home is pretty. Right. Those homes would sell, and they would sell fast, and they would sell for top dollar. Is that what you saw? What price point? Well, I guess kind of... Anything under... Under 300-ish. But I mean, just in general, a pretty house would sell fast. Yes. Right? Yes. And then there was houses that were outdated that would sit. Kind of I saw that at any price too, unless it was outdated and priced for an investor. Yes. But right now, the the market's been shifting a lot. Throughout last year, we started talking about the market shifting in April, I mm-hmm. think. Somewhere around there. And it was slow to start shifting. And I think we did definitely eye it at the beginning. But do you feel like it's totally shifted now? I don't think it has because we still have multiple offers coming in on some listings, right? You still have, I still have buyers that are unable to find homes that would be a good fit for them. Right. And Um, so a shift would mean we'd be going and looking at 10 homes every weekend and can't find anything or can't decide because there's too many options. And now we're still sitting in a there's not enough options situation. Right. I think it's a very odd. I've sat back the last couple of months trying to figure out what's going on. So a lot in the city, more specifically, so I'm talking okay. about the city, there either the home goes on the first couple of days with it being on the market, if it's relatively updated, priced well, um, or it sits there. And I've seen a couple rehabs sitting there. Pretty ones. Pretty ones. I'm using the word pretty because... The word updates, I think, it can be confusing for some people. I had a client who we kept saying, the home needs to be updated. And he'd go, I just put in a new furnace. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but the carpets. He's like, all the feedback is outdated. And he's like, okay, I just got really good siding put on the house. And it's right. like, no one cares. All the stuff that they should care about, they didn't care about. And the carpet colors and the... You know, the handles on the uh, the hardware on the cabinets, they cared about. Right. So when you say updated, you mean pretty. Yes. Okay. Uh, in in some cases, to rehabbed in where it's modern finishes. It was, you know, mostly gutted, finished out, mm-hmm. very pretty, um, on-trend finishes. And they've been just sitting there. Are they out? Are they up? Are they, I'm um, sorry. Are they overpriced? Well... I think so. I think that the mentality that you can get this top dollar is not necessarily the case anymore. I think homes move if they're um, 
somewhat pretty or even somewhat too pretty and priced right. But it has to be priced right. No, I think the days of overpricing and getting what you want are gone. I think you have a savvy buyer today that, uh, or savvier, if that's a word, uh, buyer. And so, and they're willing to wait. So number one, they're savvier. Number two, they're willing to wait. Okay. So if you have a home, you, you're a rehabber, you buy a house for whatever price, because the wholesalers now are asking more than for homes than they used to. Yes. You buy it, you rehab it, and then you just think, hey, I can pretty much offer whatever because the market's so hot. What they're finding is, no, I can't. Do you think that if they would have lowered their price by, I don't know, 5% or 10% or something like that, that not only the home would have sold, but maybe they would have been in a multiple offer situation and gotten that higher dollar? Or like, Should they have priced it lower and then it would have been bid up? Or Yeah, I think that if you just start lower instead of trying to get the top dollar, and just it's better to have it move even mm-hmm. if you don't get multiple offers. Yeah. But okay. that's the other thing that um, a lot of the reports are saying is that the rehabbing um, investment side of things is starting to become riskier as well. And I've already seen that. Yes. So, by the way, that's one of the one of kind of our uh, calls to action from our listeners here today, or our viewers, I guess, is we want them to call us, have us come over to their home and give them ideas and feedback on what they should do to update their home to sell instead of just making their own kind of guesses and stuff, right? Because Right, because to your point, some sellers go, oh, I'm going to put on a new roof, I'm going to put in a new furnace, but don't touch the kitchen uh-huh. or lighting fixtures or the things that make a home feel extraordinarily dated. Yeah. And then they get, and then they want top dollar because they have a new roof, a new furnace, a new AC or something of the sort. And that's not carpet. what... Yes, and outdated lighting fixtures. So there, they could have saved. I think sellers can save an extraordinarily amount of expense and headache if they consult with an agent to figure out what buyers are looking for. And I hear people a lot. They say, "I don't. I'll give a credit for new carpet. I don't want to put new carpet in because what if I choose the wrong carpet?" And what I see is that doesn't work. The buyers walk in, they see your nasty old carpet, and they walk right back out. So right. what we would say. Call us. We'll help you with that kind of stuff, right? Right, and I think that that's a double-edged sword because I think that that's a valid point from the seller is I'm going to choose the wrong collar no matter Mm -hmm. what. Even Mm -hmm. if it's neutral, that neutral beige over that neutral beige, it depends. Um, Versus doing the, the credit, but then, yes, sellers, especially millennials, depending on the price point of the home, they don't want to... You know, they want to be able yeah. to walk into the home. But just throwing it out there, if, you're, if your um, wall colors are really bad and you spend, let me say, $1,000 to paint it all to a neutral, agreeable gray or something like that. <laughs> Which isn't ag- actually a color. Very yeah. Popular. Can we agree that you will get probably at least $1,000 more for the house than you would have if you would have left them bad? Even And who cares if they come in and paint them a different color? Yes. Now, in that, yes. So I think that when you're talking in terms of something like the carpet, neutral, new carpet is still better than old carpet with a credit. Mm -hmm. And do you think, and I know we're kind of getting off topic here, right? But I'm curious, in your opinion, is there anything wrong with walking into the carpet store or wherever and saying, give me your most popular carpet? I need some, I think that people should. I tell people, go into the paint store, ask them what the 
trend, the trendy gray is. So why make your own decision? Right? Yeah, Just yeah, let them tell to. you what everyone's buying them. Yeah, with the yeah something neutral because you're selling your house, they'll point you in the right direction. Okay. It doesn't have to be a painful process choosing colors. So in this upcoming market, uh, for now at least, we think that there's still going to be multiple offers on properties if they're priced well and they're updated. I don't know. I mean, I'm seeing it now still, so you I can't are. imagine that it's going to go away. And what we presume I think it to be the, the hotter part of the market. I think it depends on the area. Okay. So we're going to break down the hot markets on area and area, time of year, pricing, and updates? Yes. Okay. What are some of the other statistics you have for us? So overall, when you look at things, what's been I think what, what's interesting about the reports now is that the state of the economy is very, very strong. So we have a very strong economy. We have very low unemployment, probably one of the lowest in decade or two it's at a very low point um but it doesn't it doesn't it's not translating into real estate yet which i think is interesting what do you mean by that so the strong economy is not translating into real estate right so when you have that strong economy you would automatically think oh well real estate's gonna be really great it's gonna be hot and gonna be you know but hasn't it been hot it has been hot but now that the economy is becoming strong now you're seeing the real estate market slow down how does that work? I don't know. That's well, why is it I think because it's really prices have been like overinflated, like real estate prices have been overinflated yeah, for been, a few years now. So of course we're not seeing them jump way up. Well, I do think the inventory has been really low because people have not been making those move moves because it's been a very insecure economic time for a lot of people. So not jobs, insecurity. Uh, so you tend to stay where you are once you have a little bit more security like in this economic mm-hmm. environment, then you start to feel a little bit more ambitious about selling off your home and moving up, say. Okay. You know, um, it's an so interesting... So we'll get more inventory. So then the housing market will slow down. We will be getting more inventory. Yes. Okay. I know that I've been in a weird position as a homeowner and as an investor over the last year or so. You know, I bought that home a year ago that my family moved into. And we planned on living there for six months or so, selling it, making a boatload of cash, and moving on to something else. <laughs> yes. And we never sold it. We couldn't, and it's not because I couldn't sell that house, it's because I couldn't find another place to buy. And as a realtor, right. that's kind of funny to say, right? Like, they're like, people are going, why didn't you call a realtor? <laughs> but I had the exact same scenario last fall, right? Yeah. Uh, so I actually updated two of my bathrooms mm-hmm. with the intention of putting my house on the market. I saw everything on the market mm-hmm. and we ended up saying that it just didn't prove to one of the reasons too, though, we were looking for to downsize a little bit. So we wanted something slightly smaller, but it would have increased our mortgage payment because we bought and refinanced in 2012 or 2011 mm-hmm. when the mortgage rates were historically at their lowest. So it's kind of funny to hear two realtors say this stuff, but I mean, to be to be fair, sort of pat us on the back, we're not just trying to make anyone buy a home all the time. We do like want people to make smart decisions in real estate, right? Yes. Even if that means staying where you are. And yes, I think that you have to determine why you're, why you're moving. Okay. So I've also, as an investor, I've also, been, I continue to buy rental properties. Yes. But I'm concerned. I'm like, should I be waiting? You know, should I wait waiting until- Waiting for what? For like- 
the market to crash and all the prices. So if I'm buying a house now for a hundred, if I would wait two years, can I buy it for 60? You know? Uh, no, because they anticipate even in 2020 for um, home prices to slightly increase um, and inventory to still be on the lower end, but increase, um, so remain who, modest. So who's this they? Freddie Mac uh -huh. and Realtor Association. They're saying that the market's going to continue to increase just Yeah, like I think it's still pretty solid. Yes, I think for 2019, 2020, both their predictions have said have led to stability versus the crash that I think people have been talking about for the last couple of years. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm like, I sort of want, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it a crash, but I sort of want it to become a buyer's market again so I can buy a different home and so I can continue to buy rental properties at a discount. But that just means I'll have to sell my home for less, right? Yes. And so it's not really good. It's not really good necessarily. But yeah, what I read is that appreciation in 2018 was 4.7%. So your house appreciated by 4.7% in 2018. And they're estimating that it will appreciate by 2.9% in 2019. Right. So, so it's still good, so but it's not it, as good. Yeah, there's not going to be a crash necessarily, but it's just not your your values are not going to increase. Okay. It was still, It was really interesting last time when we did have the crash that what, what happened, I saw, was everything was going down, and some people were waiting. Because they just, they're like, I don't want to buy a house yet. I want to wait until we hit the bottom. But, you know, they don't come out and go, all right, we've hit the bottom. Now we're <laughs> going to start going back up. Right. Like, you, you've got a week to go by, right? Right. People just had to sort of guess and figure that out. So we'll see what happens for that, I guess. Right. So new home sales. Talk That's to me about up. those. That was an interesting one that I saw on a couple different reports. Um, in the past few years, new home sales are builders actually were building more higher end homes, more expensive homes. Mm -hmm. So one of the trends for next year is that builders are going to have to shift their focus to more moderate priced homes to accommodate the higher mortgage rates. Okay. So... From a St. Louis perspective, new construction, when I think of new construction and new homes, I'm thinking of like outlying areas, right? Yes. Where it's like, yes, land ho, and they're moving west or south or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I guess we do see a lot of new construction and kind of like infill and and stuff like that, like in the central corridor and the city and stuff like that. People are building. Some of those empty lots. Yes. Yeah. Builders have taken advantage of those and built in areas that are in high demand. And those builders in the last few years have been able to just be like, let's just cover the whole thing in granite. We'll just get like top dollar no matter what. Right. And you're saying now we're going to see builders going back to like actual builder grade and kind of like lower I think that it's good. I don't know that builder grade will pass, pass muster, um, but I do think that they will make some more moderate choices. Interesting. Builder grade won't pass muster. So people's tastes and expectations, you're saying, will still be high, even though they're wanting to spend less. I think so. So will the builders have to figure out other ways to cut costs other than some of these aesthetic things that people care so much about? Granite countertops? Yeah, but I don't. I think that they need to get smarter and realize that granite countertops aren't as in high demand. But well, what's the hot countertop quartz, People are happy with quartz. They love quartz. And so it's they really want a prettier solid. than most granites. I know. I'm not a granite lover myself <laughs> because it, I bought granite countertops and I went and the, the minute I like signed on the line and paid my check, they go, okay, 
Now let's talk about maintaining this stuff and what you have <laughs> right. to do for it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. I thought this stuff is indestructible. They're like, oh, no, no. It's a long list of things you got to do with it. Right. So there's better there's better countertops. but So we're thinking that builders will have to still probably make them look pretty but figure out other way to cut costs. Does that mean smaller lots? I think that the homes are not going, yes. Smaller homes overall. Okay. Less square footage. Which is... Nice. I mean, it'd be nice to be able to buy a new construction home for less than $500,000, right? I mean, wouldn't it be great for a $250,000 buyer to be able to buy one? Right. And instead of maybe selling the house with a finished basement or something, it's unfinished but roughed in with a bathroom that they the new owner could finish out at some point. And, and then from your perspective, you know, not from the paperwork here, but what part of town do you think that people will try to be doing building in? Does it just depend on where there's land so I So I work mostly in the city, as you know, but um, so I don't see that there's an area where you're going to be able to plop down some subdivision. There's going to still, I think, be infill, but that's the extent of what the city could possibly ever offer anyway, unless you go... So real quick, what is infill? Um, so taking an empty lot... And building a home. So you have, you know... Empty or with, like, some beat-up house on it. Yeah, that's just going to be demolished and then build a home. You have a neighborhood full of houses. One of them's ugly or beat-up or whatever. Infill would be tear that down and build a new one. Right. Or like you see on the hill, tear two down and build up a new one. (laughs) Yes. Right? Right. Do those homes usually, from your perspective, are they... Spec homes, meaning are they building them hoping to sell them, or are they only building them once they... No, they are building them to sell them, period. They're building them hoping to sell them, not with the buyer already like on under contract. Right. And maybe that'll change a little bit if they they might need to make sure that they have a buyer before they build. I saw in Dogtown, they this builder built three homes and then listed them for sale, you know? Right. And I that was one thing that went away quick in the last market decline. But you yes. couldn't even get the funding to build a home until you had a buyer kind of thing. Or I have seen one developer here in the city. He's done several homes along a specific street um, where he built like two, sold them, built another one, sold it, built another one, sold it. So it, it's no longer let's go build the subdivision and have 12 options. That is what I would want to do. Because I think it's a smart way. I don't know why you wouldn't do it that way. But As a, as a child of the you know 2008 crash, uh-huh. I'm the guy who's I'm conservative now because I saw so many people lose it all. And a lot of those people who lost it all first was the people who got super aggressive like that. Like, yes. I can make 50000 a house. I'm going to do 10 houses then, right? Right. Trying to do things in bulk, but it doesn't end up to... Okay. Any other statistics we'd like to share with the people? No, I think that that's it. Kind of overall, it's going to be, I think, an interesting market in 2019. So we're not saying don't buy. We're saying, I think what John Charlton is saying is buy sooner than later, because if interest rates are going up, the sooner you get your your rate locked in, the better off you're going to be. Right. Right. So I think that that's the conclusion is that if you're looking to buy, especially within the next year, now is the time to make that move. Okay. Um, you will save money in the long run for sure. So let's tell people how they can get a hold of us. How can they call you? 
314-583-0070, or you can email me at shannon at livingtowergrove.com, or you can find me on Facebook okay. at Living Tower Grove. Um, Facebook.com slash Living Tower Grove? Yeah. Is it www. Yes. Yeah, okay. www.facebook.com backslash Living Tower Grove. Okay. <laughs> And then on Facebook, we want people to go to our company Facebook, Herman London, H-E-R-M-A-N-N, London, on Facebook. Don't forget the two N's. And what most of all, what I really want people to do, other than subscribing and liking us on YouTube, of course, is I really want to hear from people, right? I know. I mean, people have questions all the time. Do not you comment about it all the time. You go to a party and people are like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. tons of questions. But I want, what do they want us to hear about? What do they? Who do they want us to interview, right? Yeah, so, what do they want to know please, more about? Please, either call Shannon or call us or email podcast at hermanlondon.com. And that's Herman with two N's, london.com. Very good. Is that enough ways they can get a hold of us? I think so. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And take care. Bye.